What is our world? Yes, I know. You're lucky. I never got back to mine. All right, then. Off you go. Now, go on. Ben can catch his ship and become an admiral, and you, Polly, you can look after Ben. I will. <laughs> you will be safe, won't you? I'll look after him. I'm sure you will, mate. Come on, Dr. Ben. I might see you sometime. Take care. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is the podcast where a Doctor Who beginner and a Doctor Who veteran go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we will be talking about the Faceless Ones. Yes, the Faceless Ones was written by David Ellis and Malcolm Hulk, was directed by Jerry Mill, and produced by Eins Lloyd. It aired April 8th, 1967 to May 13th, 1967. So we have not interacted with this particular writing team yet. Neither of these writers have showed up. However, I will say that Malcolm Hulk will write one of, if not my favorite classic Doctor Who episode. Okay. So I have high hopes for this one. <laughs> <laughs> is he a is he a visionary television writer or is it just a fluke i will say that he will go on to write my favorite at the moment my favorite classic who episode and then years later new who will completely rip off that episode and just beat for beat tell the exact same story again <laughs> only worse <laughs> so <laughs> interesting but uh yeah we finally get to finally get to watch this one very excited. I have the DVD. You can hear it. You can hear the DVD. This is an ASMR podcast now. And uh, it's all fancy and animated. And I'm pretty sure the animation isn't absolute garbage. So that's cool. I mean, it can't be much worse than The Power of the Daleks. That's true. But uh, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Faceless Ones, what do you think this episode's going to be about? This is a society where there are, oh, how am I going to describe this? It's like the movie Face Off, except when all these people cut off their faces, they realize they didn't have faces to replace them with. And then suddenly four people come along with faces and they're like, hey, let's get in on some of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so your theory is that it's about a society of faceless people that want to steal the faces of the travelers. Yes. Okay. That's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> not not what happens, probably. <laughs> the allusion to the absolute classic of a uh, Nicolas Cage movie, Face Off, is maybe not great, but... <laughs> <laughs> I um, I love the movie Face Off. Uh, I watched I'm it sure all you the time do. as a kid. <laughs> Face Off is a classic. Fight me on it. 
isn't he playing opposite John Travolta? Yeah. <laughs> like the one person who can match his energy. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Well, we'll see. <laughs> With that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. And given just, like, how teeth-pullingly hard it was to get you these fucking episodes, that's actually quite the accomplishment. Yeah, we did good. <laughs> and I, the best part of it is, is I have an excuse for binging it this time. Yeah, because it was bitch and a half to get it to you. Like, my Google Drive was apparently full of other shit, and so then I had to send it to you, but then it wouldn't let me send it all at once because all six episodes together weren't enough, were, like, too big for my Google Drive, so I had to send it to you one at a time, and then you had to download the videos that I'm sending you so that I could clear out those earlier episodes so that I can send the newer ones to you in the Google Drive. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. There's a lot of emails. You could have just, like, driven down here, and we could have just watched it, but no. Yeah, I could have just flown to Texas again. Yeah, no big deal. In this economy? So... One quick quick trivia note, this is the final episode with Annika Wills as Polly and Michael Craze as Ben. And on that note, Caleb, uh, what'd you think of the Faceless Ones? Well, I thought it was, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. Until I didn't. Thanks for the heads <laughs> up, Mike. <laughs> Caleb, I've said it, I've said it before and I will say it again. I will never, ever give you warning when <laughs> someone is leaving the show. <laughs> I got the sneaking suspicion as it went. I just kind of thought they would be there more. I kind of thought them leaving would be more of a thing and not be like, a, well, bye. Yeah, well, they were in the exact same position as Jackie Lane, uh, who played Dodo, in that after the second episode, their contract was up. But unlike Jackie Lane, they actually had the forethought of filming a goodbye scene and then just sticking it at the end of the story <laughs> my god so so wildly frustrating yeah it is <laughs> but uh i also liked the faceless ones i thought it was pretty good and yeah. i i don't care what anyone says the true villain of this story i think we can all agree is airport bureaucracy yep <laughs> 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 I, I I literally have the note in here. I, I think it's the first episode. Oh, what did I write? I was like, the moral of this story is that bureaucratic authorities are inept and useless. Yes. That, <laughs> that honest to God, is my main takeaway of this story. <laughs> here, here's a fun fact about old Mac. I am not, a, I'm not scared of flying, like, at all. Airplanes do not stress me at all. Stress me out at all. Airports meanwhile are just like can't make my shoulders just like attached to my ears with how much they stress me the fuck out i am not i am not able to breathe a sigh of relief until after i am sitting in my seat on the plane <laughs> yep that adds up 
<laughs> so so like we're running around this airport in this episode of Doctor Who. I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> this <laughs> is the worst. one that you should leave on. <laughs> this is my nightmare, Max says. <laughs> Huddling beneath his desk as the <laughs> doctor argues about passports. <laughs> ah, especially the fucking passport scene. That scene pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's a fun adventure. I was worried that at six episodes, it was going to be really long and not mm-hmm. well paced. And it was a better pace than I thought. There was a there's still a lot of go here and then go there and then go back here. Yeah. But it was all rubble for the most part. Yeah. But uh, enough talking in vague terms. Let's get let's get into it. Yeah, let's get to it. We're going to start with episode one. Be waiting for start on episode three. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> The TARDIS lands on a runway, and the companions have to flee before being flattened out by an airplane. The group is all split up, and Polly witnesses a man being murdered. After she investigates the body, she is pursued by the killer and manages to get away. When she finds the doctor and Jamie, she leads them back to the body. They resolve to go tell the authorities, but the killer manages to grab Polly while the two men aren't looking. When the men can't find her, they decide continuing to the police is the best course of action. However, they get caught up in an argument about passports, which draws the attention of the commandant. He reluctantly lets the doctor lead him to the body, which is no longer there. The commandant leads the men away, and they run into a woman who looks like Polly, but she insists that she does not know them. After the commandant leads the travelers away, the killer and his co-conspirator, both named Spencer and Blade, lead a mysterious masked figure out of a closet and into the medical bay of the airport. They remove his mask and coat, and the camera lingers on the man's disfigured arms and head. I know you're not going to listen to me, but I do feel like it's just, for my own sake, I should be the one to tell you that it's pronounced Commandant. Nope, Commander. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> What'd you think of the new intro? <laughs> Are we really going to stick with this for 20 years? I mean, the faces switch out. It it's stupid. <laughs> it's really dumb. I, I I I did I openly laughed when I saw it. I'm pretty sure there's a brief period of time in which it's a full body shot instead of just the head. Oh my god. And there's also there's also an era where like the face appears and then the doctor winks and then and then oh, fades away. No. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> I hate that a lot, actually. <laughs> Don't worry, it it goes away for new who. And then it comes back, and then it goes away again. <laughs> and they're like, actually, you know what? Let's leave that where it was. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was very silly. Did they also change the music? I felt like the music yes. sounded different. They changed the music a little bit, which uh, you should be hearing as the intro for this podcast, because I'm planning on changing the music as the show changes the music. So, Oh, so, so, so the intro music can change, but the sound of the TARDIS can't. Nope. <laughs> so the tardis lands immediately on the on the runway and uh a cop is like hey you and the doctor is like scatter yep that's literally my (laughs) that's literally my first note it's the fuzz scatter (laughs) cheese it but ben's the only one who heard that instruction (laughs) because the doctor polly and jamie go one way then ben goes the other and then the cops start chasing after ben (laughs) i lied my first note was actually oh we're big budget now we have airplanes fun fact that is all stock footage yeah i figured it would be i figured i figured they weren't at an actual airport (laughs) in the trivia 
of this episode, they're like, technically, that stock footage can be considered the only surviving footage of epi- of certain episodes. But, like, since it wasn't meant for Doctor Who, it's kind of difficult to consider that. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but it is. I had another note about the... Pl- I literally have three notes about the cops in a row. It was something I thought was funny. And then all the cops did it. And I just thought, am I the weird one? Why is the strap for the helmet on their chin and not under their chin? I thought the exact same fucking thing. What the fuck? I was like, is the chin strap just not long enough? Is it not adjustable? But you're right. All of them were wearing it like on their chin instead of under their chin. And it it annoyed me. <laughs> it annoyed me. British British listeners, explain to us why the cops aren't wearing the straps under their chin. But also don't, because I don't care. If we have British listeners and they listen to this and they're like, nah, it's fucking stupid, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, they, maybe they're really defensive about how dumb their cops look. But no, they bother me a lot. At first, at first it was funny, and then all of them did it, and then it just got annoying. <laughs> well, then everybody's being chased by the cops, and I just have written down intense chasing music. I don't remember what the music is. All I know is that. I don't remember the music either. I have a note here of, is Jamie still wearing a kilt after yes. all this time? Yes. I don't think he ever takes the kilt off. <laughs> just, in, just in case you didn't know Jamie was Scottish, he will wear a kilt the whole time. Just in case you forgot. <laughs> also, when a bagpipe comes in, he has a tendency to play it. <laughs> Not well, but he does play it. And then uh, Polly witnesses the murder... And then she finds the doctor and Jamie. And you know what? I'm glad this happened on her last episode. I'm glad she goes on this on this high note. Because she tells them that she saw a murder and they believe her. My God. What a change. <laughs> what a goddamn change of pace. She didn't see someone die right in front of her eyes and then tell someone else about it. And they weren't like, oh, I'm sure you were just imagining things. You know what that is, Mac? That's character development. <laughs> I, I think it's Spencer is the one that kills the guy and chases her. Wildly inept. He walks out that door and can see her and doesn't shoot her immediately. I had the exact same thought. I'm like, I don't want Polly to die, but shoot her. You can see her. Yeah, like, man, I hope I can gain on her so I can pistol whip her. Like, no, you have you have a long ranged weapon here. My theory is that the range on the weapon actually is not very long at all, because you see no one get shot at long range with it. It's always, like, right up on the person. <laughs> that is true. I think the farthest away is, like, the guy who gets killed, his name is Gascon. Uh, Gascoigne. Gascon. Gascoigne. It's Gascoigne. Gaskin. <laughs> <laughs> you see Gaskin get sh- shot, and he's, like, maybe two feet from Spencer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's this this ray gun, which, like cool but also you've been stationed on earth for how long maybe you should also have a regular gun like a real gun <laughs> Ooh, look at your little ray gun too bad i'm three feet away from you <laughs> if i was two and a half feet i'd be fucked but i'm three feet so i'm fine <laughs> um but yeah but that's my theory the ray gun has a a useless short distance it might as well just be a sword that's a solid theory <laughs> I have the note that I hope this isn't going to be a bad Polly episode. And, like, technically it's a good episode. 
but it's not a good episode for Polly. <laughs> no, it's not a good episode for Polly. She she's right there. She's kind of being herself, and then she gets fucking yanked off the episode because this is the last time you really see Polly do anything significant. She's kind of in the next episode, but not really. Annika Wills is in the next episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think Polly is though. No. What do we mean? Keep listening to the podcast after this note from our sponsors. Uh, If only. Anyway. (laughs) My next note is, whoa, who is this foxy air traffic controller? (laughs) Yeah. Again, I'll be honest. I'm always usually pretty good at predicting who it is you're going to thirst over. Did not see this one coming. Mac, how did you not see it coming? I don't know. She's blonde. She's got the smoky eye. Damn, you got a good point. Yeah, what else do I have to say? <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, you're right. That's your that's your type to a T. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, um, the other note I have, I don't know when I wrote this or what motivated me to, what motivated me to write it. <laughs> I wrote, God damn it, can't we just have one adventure without the doctor stumbling into a conspiracy? Can't we just have one time of, oh, well, there's nothing going on here. Let's get going. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we cannot. <laughs> I make the comment of nothing less stressful than an airport, and then I make the comment that British bureaucracy is somehow worse than American bureaucracy, and I think it's just the smugness of the British people that really just twists that knife, because <laughs> I'm thinking of the passport scene in particular. Oh, the passport scene. So yeah, so for the uninitiated, so Polly shows the doctor and Jamie the body. They go to tell the authorities. Polly is yanked away by Spencer and the men just keep going. And then they're trying to tell the authorities, air quotes, which is just some guy at like the immigration's desk asking for passports. Yeah. And every time they're like, we just saw a guy get murdered. And they, the guy responds, cool. Where's your passport? He's like, we don't have passports. Well, you must have a passport because you just because you just came from that direction. Like, I'm telling you, we don't. No, sir, you don't understand, because you see, that's impossible. In order to have gotten on the plane, you must have had to have shown them the passport on at the other airport. And it's like, I'm telling you, we don't have passports. And then Jamie's just over here is like, the fuck is a passport? <laughs> <laughs> so while they're arguing, the commandant, tug on my buttoned-up shirt, the commandant, comes over and is talking to them. I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of it. It's like an actual word. <laughs> commandant. <laughs> Uh, my next note is while they're talking, while they're trying to tell the commandant, now I can't say it right at all. <laughs> uh, while they're talking to him, Jamie just won't shut the fuck up and keeps saying incriminating things. Yeah. Or not incriminating, but like things that make them sound crazy because they are. Yeah. He's talking, he like talks about how he was from an uh, alien spaceship that looks like a police box. And like the doctor is just like, like hitting him and like in the side, like telling him to shut up. But like he keeps going. He's like, why are you hitting me? <laughs> and then like, well, how, how did this man get killed? Oh, he was shot with a ray gun. <laughs> and the doctor's just like, ah, oh, God damn it, Jamie. You're lucky you're cute. <laughs> the, the best part is, is the commandant talks down to them. He talks down to them. He's like, oh, okay, they're just crazy. All right, crazy people. Let's go over here. But he also does it so smoothly and is so unoff put by it. He does this shit all the time. Oh yeah. Every fucking flight from Spain there's always some motherfucker talking about ray guns. <laughs> <laughs> he has to deal with this shit all the time, I'm sure. I've been in airports. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> My next note is Ben looks like such a fucking dork in this episode. 
<laughs> he does. Because like he has a turtleneck sweater that's like tucked into his tucked into his black pants. And mm-hmm. it's like you look like a dork. And I think it has like his hair like parted to one side. I feel like every episode I've actually been able to see Ben, he just gradually looks worse. Like he looked fine in his cute little sailor suit, and now he just <laughs> looks like a big dork. <laughs> yeah. The Navy was good for Ben. <laughs> Eventually the Commandant agrees to go and like humor them and like okay fine if you say there's a dead body let's go they take the long way around to get to that because they're like there's no dead body here at the airport and like we saw the dead body it's like oh where did you see the dead body over in that hangar no we've never had a dead body in that hangar there's you must have made some sort of mistake they're the ones who were like oh you must have been confused you must have just been imagining things (laughs) like that scene got me irrationally angry like, <laughs> and also just, I make the note a couple of times of just like how much this is a, <laughs> a pre nine 11 airport. <laughs> Cause like if someone had said, Hey, we found a dead body airport today would have been shut the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. My next note is the moral of the story is that bureaucratic authorities are inept and useless. Um, every story for the doctor for the past, like five episodes has been a cab basically. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then I have Owen Caps and Drawn Out. What the fuck? But I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the seeing the chameleon and like the yeah. the, the cracked that, skin and, and like I think I think that's probably what it was, but <laughs> I gave myself no context. I just wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time too and I hate it. <laughs> so yeah, so for that context, Spencer and Blade are in like this like secret room and then they open a closet and like this like disfigured hand falls out and they like inject it with something uh, presumably some sort of medicine to keep it alive yeah because because the chameleons the villains are called the chameleons by the way cannot survive an extended period of time in earth's atmosphere by themselves it's like toxic to them so i'm assuming that whatever the injection was was just like a to help them breathe at least for a couple of minutes before they can help him mm-hmm. change shape it's kind of cool. I think it's actually the grossest thing we've seen on the show so far. Yeah. Not that, like, it's not, like, overly disgusting, but in terms of everything else we've seen, I think it's the most, like, graphic thing we've seen on the show. Yes. Yeah. That we've seen, anyway. I'm sure that we probably could have seen Sarah's death be very gruesome, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Sarah did turn to dust, but I didn't see that, so. Yeah, we didn't see that, so it doesn't count. And then my next note is Captain Blade is such a fucking metal and flagrantly evil name. <laughs> right? <laughs> His name is Captain Blade and just like short of twirling a mustache, he does everything to look as suspicious as he possibly can. Totally agree. Yeah, he just looks evil. Just stares at everyone with complete contempt. Uh, that's the MO for the the company he works for. Uh, we'll get into that, but like they're so flagrantly evil the whole time. It's amazing. It's amazing the conspiracy for this show. Go this episode goes on as long as it does. They're f- so flagrantly evil while also thinking so little of humanity that they're very blatant in their evilness because they think that there's no way that they'll get caught by a bunch of stupid monkeys, basically. <laughs> and then they're basically proven right on that point because no one notices until it's basically too late 
I forget what episode, but I know Jamie is like overhearing a couple of chameleons talk. I think it's like in episode five. And one of them says that humans have about the same level of intelligence as the animals on their home planet. Yeah, I think that's like episode five. I don't really have any other notes for this episode. The last thing that happens is like Blade and Spencer carry this thing that they're keeping alive into the bay and they take off its robes and like you see it's all deformed and fucked up. The doctor and Jamie also meet the the not Polly Polly. Oh, yeah, they meet her at the fucking same place they were before, and she's like, I've never seen these men before in my life. That's the last time we see actual Polly for five more episodes? <laughs> <laughs> five more episodes, uh, until the very, very end of episode six. All right, I guess I'll just read my description for episode two. Yep, yep. All right, episode two. The two men and Nurse Pinto lie the creature down on a table. An air traffic controller named Meadows lies on a table opposite them. Nurse Pinto hooks the two up to a machine, and the creature transforms into an exact left replica of Meadows. After attaching what can only be... <laughs> Hang on, I'm making myself laugh at my description. <laughs> After attaching what can only be described as a Wii remote to the imposter's arm, <laughs> the creature is able to replicate Meadows' speech and memories. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing too hard in my own description. <laughs> oh, I'm hilarious. After catching up with Ben, the travelers spot Polly working at the front desk for Chameleon Tours. After they confront her, she is ordered by Blade to take the next flight to Zurich. The doctor, Ben, and Jamie hide in a photo booth to avoid the police and discuss their plans. They decide Jamie will keep an eye on the Chameleon Tours desk while the doctor returns to the com commandant. <laughs> I'm going to mess up every time I say it. At the tour's desk, Jamie watches a woman named Samantha as she argues with Polly about her brother's disappearance. The commandant refuses to entertain the doctor, and he has to flee when the police arrive to arrest him. When he meets Jamie and Samantha, he decides to investigate behind the desk. He finds a back room and sees a monitor with Ben on it. He is in the hangar where the man, a detective ma named Gascon, was killed, and he also discovers Polly's frozen body. As Ben pleads for help on the radio, the doctor watches as he too is frozen by a mysterious figure. Another investigator, a man named Crossland, is looking for Gascon and reveals they are investigating Chameleon Tours. The doctor arrives at the hangar in search of Ben and is led by a mysterious voice into the back room. Suddenly, all the windows and entrances are barred shut and a freezing gas begins to fill the room. So they're talking to the not Polly Polly and she says a line that I think is funny. She says, no, this is my first time in England. With like I know. the most British accent you can muster. <laughs> and the doctor asked her about that. And he's like, you speak, you speak English awfully well for never being here. And she's like, I had a British nanny. <laughs> and then brings a cup of tea up to her lips. <laughs> pip, pip. Yeah, that's funny. As soon as she said that, I was like, you fucking sound British. What are you talking about? <laughs> is no one going to call her out on this? <laughs> Uh, uh, it's like, it's not just, she just speaks English. Well, she sounds English. <laughs> yeah. And then my next note is, all right, let me just go ahead and grab a couple of Wiimotes for my delicate <laughs> medical procedure here. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't crazy. was not that. just you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The animation dead ass looks like Wii remotes. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, funny. <laughs> and then it cuts over to uh, Ben just kind of like snooping around. And I say, oh, hey, look, it's Ben. I wonder if he'll do anything in this episode. Let's see. What notes do I have? Let's see. I've got woman who sounds British has never been to England is actually German. 
Jesus Christ, what did they do to Patrick Troughton's face? <laughs> uh, the animation for this episode is probably a little better than Power of the Daleks. Yeah. The faces are wrong, though. They are wrong. Women are hot, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, but I don't think any of the animators really know how to get Patrick Troughton's face down. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, Jamie Jamie's was fine i guess but patrick trown and ben's were just yeah rough <laughs> yeah oh man so yeah because i've got what they do to patrick trown's face oh my god all the faces are awful and then these we remotes will help your fucked up friend <laughs> oh my god the strap goes under the chin what is wrong with british police <laughs> that's the second time i brought it up i gotta explain my next two notes after, I'm trying to get the timeline right, after they're done talking to Polly, the commandant wants to arrest Ben and the doctor. Jamie and the doctor. Jamie and the doctor, right. And they end up running. And the commandant, hey, the commandant just kind of lets them leave. <laughs> so they're hiding. And they're at like what, what, what looks like a magazine stand at a in the airport. Uh-huh. And amazing touch in the detail. <laughs> Jamie's newspaper is yes. upside down. <laughs> yes. I have that note too. <laughs> it's like, Jamie's holding his newspaper upside down. He's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and then in that same scene, I've got the note of, who's this fucking creepy guy with the mustache at the magazine stand? Yes. Because there's a guy in the background who has as much detail as every other character like in the scene and he was just glaring at the doctor and jamie (laughs) so bizarrely detailed and just like in the background just like giving a cheesy smile and like staring at the camera or the doctor i'm like was that like some animator's cousin or something and they were like hey you should put me in the episode it's like i can't put you in the episode it's already we're just basing it off of something that's already exists. I can't, like, add a new character. And he's like, just put me in the background somewhere. I was like, all right, fine, Tom. I'll add you somewhere in the background. <laughs> I, I think it's more noticeable, mostly because, like, the Doctor and Jamie are talking, but, like, their faces are behind the newspapers. And there's just this guy who's, like, kind of centered. It's, like, the only focal point of the shot. Yeah. It's just, it's really bizarre. I forget whether it was Jamie or ben who suggests that maybe that polly was brainwashed and then the doctor says no no she couldn't have been brainwashed in such a short time or or like he says that they wouldn't have been able to brainwash her in such a short amount of time and i'm like but wotan brainwashed people like that so that's true he did it over the phone yeah he could do it over the phone so i'm not entirely sure why he is so sure that there's no way they could have brainwashed someone that quickly the way they kind of handled that bit makes me feel like they didn't have the final plot of the episode solidified when they were writing it. Because when the person who looks like Polly is like working at the front desk for Chameleon Tours, which is the company where they found the dead body. So the doctor goes up to confront her and she and he's asking her, like, remember the person who was murdered? And I don't know if it was just the fact that it was animated or I couldn't see the way Annika Wills actually delivered it. But it seemed like she was like, almost having like a recall moment of like, like they did brainwash her and they brainwashed that part out and she was kind of starting to remember. Mm-hmm. But spoiler, that person isn't actually Polly. That yeah. person is a chameleon. So why did she act confused? Or maybe she was just feeling, maybe she was acting nervous because like, oh shit, this guy knows about our frequent murders. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it didn't read very well. And it, no, it, no, it, it felt more, it felt more like brainwashing than someone else. No, I agree. Yeah. Another genuine laugh moment 
uh, the doctor, Ben and Jamie go into the photo booth to like talk privately and like away from any sort of guards that were coming by. And they were just, and they were like conspiring to each other. And then someone like came by to pull back the curtain to see if there was anybody in there. And just like all three of them at the same time, just like struck a cheesy smile (laughs) pose (laughs) as if they were getting their picture taken. And then the person closed the curtain and then they were back to serious talk. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a great moment. I think it's especially funny because like, Jamie and the doctor strike a pose, and Jamie just looks like a deer in headlights. He's yeah, like, like, "What are we doing? What, what's happening? What's happening?" Because <laughs> uh, I, my, I have a note on that. I was like, when the, when Ben's like, "Let's go in here to talk," and Jamie's like, well, "What is it?" And they're like, "It's a photo booth." And it's like you go there to get your picture taken. What's a picture? And the doctor's like, "Not now, Jamie." <laughs> it's like no, this, is a, this is a genuine question, doctor. Please. Yeah, my note is, "Fuck you, Jamie. You don't need to know what photos are." <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I love Jamie. He's so confused about everything and nobody bothers to explain anything to him. So he just kind of rolls with the punches. <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't know what a car is, but I guess we're riding in a car now. <laughs> <laughs> this is going back a bit, but like in the first episode, when they get out of the TARDIS and they're on the runway, there's like an airplane coming down. And Jamie says, a great beastie. <laughs> I'm Scottish, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a good moment. I love Jamie. I will be 100% content if every single episode with Jamie ends with Jamie saying, I had no idea what just happened. <laughs> uh, I, I will watch that at the end of every argument and be like, I know, Jamie. I know you do. <laughs> I know, sweetheart. <laughs> I have no idea what the context of this is, but I wrote, the Commandant is just so annoyed and I totally get it. I don't know. I don't know what the context is. It could be it could be anything because like the doctor barges into his office again to talk about the murder, and for whatever reason, the doctor is horrible at explaining things when he needs to be able to explain it. He really is. That's <laughs> a weirdly <laughs> consistent character flaw of his. He just walks in and acts like a total madman about everything. Oh, I think I know what it was because like he goes in and he's like, "We gotta talk about this murder," and the, the commandant's like, "Oh Jesus Christ, this guy again!" So he calls the police. The police come in to arrest him, and then he's like, everyone stay back. He pulls something out of his pocket. He's like, everyone stay back or I'll blow us all to hell. And he throws it. And it's just like a rubber ball. And <laughs> the way they animated the director, he's like squeezing it. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> this guy is way too quirky for my airport. So, yeah. So when he made that face, I was like, I get it. I'd also be annoyed. You You probably won't be surprised to hear this, but the actress who plays Sam was... Origin like they originally wanted her to come on as a companion. She gave off companion vibes. Yeah. And thank you for spoiling that. I assume I assume based on the way this episode ends that she was gonna come back in the next arc oh, sorry. and then become a companion. Sorry. I Spoilers, man. I didn't realize it. I was spoiling something. My apologies. You ruined my headcanon. <laughs> but no, I agree. She or it makes sense. She very much gave companion vibes. Yeah. What why didn't they have her come on? Uh, well, they, they offered for her to come on. I think she didn't want to come on, though. Yeah, she was like, she was begged by uh, Mines Lloyd and Fraser Hines to come on, but she turned it down. I think she didn't want to commit to such a long series. But uh, funnily enough, spoilers? Not really. The actress comes back in um, in uh, New Who, and she plays Queen Victoria. Oh, fun. Yeah. I, I read the trivia. I was like, oh, that's neat. And then I watched episode three, which was in live action. And I saw her. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's a that's definitely a young version of the actress playing Queen Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised she turned it down. Not in the sense. 
just I don't know. I don't know how actors were paid in the sixties, but come on, that's a paycheck. Right? That's I'm a kidding. consistent paycheck. It is a consistent paycheck. I liked Sarah. My only note I have about her is so Jamie is spying on the chameleon tour's desk. And she goes and sits by him, and they have some exchanges. They get to know each other. And then she gets kind of flirty towards the end of the episode. She gets very flirty with Jamie. <laughs> it, uh, to which I wrote this fucking banger of a note, which is, you know, my brother's missing, and that makes me awfully lonely, ooey you. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she is definitely, like, consistently throughout this story trying to trying to play his bagpipes like <laughs> yeah <laughs> the thirst is real in this episode and this is a very horny episode kind of probably one of the hornier episodes we've had i mean i don't want to give spoilers away as to what chameleon whole chameleon tour's whole thing is but like if you've got a miniaturization kink they will deliver for you <laughs> they will deliver uh we'll, we'll get to that when we when we get to it <laughs> oh my god Mac, why is every fucking plot twist miniaturization? I don't know. Also, <laughs> I okay, so I got some DVDs in the mail and I was testing them out and I was like, I was watching the first episode of each one just to see if the, it worked. And I was like, huh, yeah, they do use the miniaturization thing weirdly a lot, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because like, we'll get into it more in detail but like you see people disappear at one point you're like oh shit they disappeared and then you realize that they're being shrunk down i'm like what the fuck is this why is it every time there's like a crazy sci-fi concept introduced in this show it's just fucking shrinking people see again i know that there's another example but the only one i can think of is planet of the giants but i know that no no no, no. there's something else is it the arc where they turn people teeny tiny yes they also do that in the arc and I feel like there's, there's another a, there's one. There's another time. There's at least one more time where they do the teeny tiny thing. Yeah, I know there is, but I can't think of it. But yeah, returning villains aside, this is the only sci-fi concept that keeps coming up. <laughs> uh, because so Ben is snooping around the chameleon tour's hangar. He pulls apart this box and sees Polly like frozen in her coma thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, is Polly dead? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then Ben is like, in that control room thing, trying to get help. And he's like, hello, come on, doctor, anyone, can you hear me? And then, like, you see, like, a figure point this weird pen dildo <laughs> at Ben's face and freeze him. I was like, oh, shit, is Ben dead? And then I wrote, if Ben and Polly end up being murdered, I will be so pissed and impressed. <laughs> and honestly, I'd rather them be dead. I'll go ahead and give you this trivia now. Michael Craze agree- agrees with you. Uh, Michael K- Craze says that he would have preferred that Ben just get killed off. Because he found Ben and Polly's departure really weak. Yeah, it was. It was incredibly weak. I, I, I honestly just rather them be dead. <laughs> no, you don't get a happy ending, Ben. You get to be dead. He gets back to the Navy and then he's shot on sight. Like a real man. <laughs> okay, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. Episode three, baby. When it appears the doctor is dead, Spencer enters the room to collect his body. The doctor uses the same pen the man used to freeze Ben to subdue the pilot and escape. When he makes it back to Jamie and Samantha, they have explained everything to Crossland. Crossland takes the doctor to confront the Commandant once again. Samantha decides to investigate the hangar and coaxes Jamie into joining her. The doctor is arguing with the Commandant and decides the best way to convince him something is going on is by suggesting the most batshit crazy idea possible. Aliens. 
While snooping, Samantha finds an envelope of signed postcards showing Chameleon towards his covering up the mass disappearance of passengers. Crossland wants to meet Blade, and Spencer agrees to let the two meet aboard the next flight. While snooping in the Chameleon office, the Doctor discovers a secret chamber. Spencer is watching the two investigate and incapacitates the Doctor. On the flight, Blade and the flight attendant captured Crossland and force him to watch as they make the passengers on their flight disappear. Ooh. Ooh. They don't actually disappear. <laughs> they don't actually disappear, but that's what it looked like in the episode. Ooh. Wow! Twist on twist. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you see some, like, not behind the scenes, but, like, behind closed doors where of the of the chameleon setup that they have in their hangar. And it seems like modern day earth technology like modern for them mm-hmm. and i kind of really like the idea of aliens like trapped on earth and needing to communicate using only primitive human technology <laughs> i mean we find out later that they have more they have access to more than just that but it's a cool concept that i really like <laughs> It's the it's the equivalent of them like talking into a tin can, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when when the doctor is like trapped in like the freezing chamber, he finds the the spouts where the gas is coming out, and he like plugs it up, and then he takes his coat and puts it over the camera, and that's what causes Spencer to come out, and then the doctor knocks him out, and then later they make the comment that his his intelligence is far above that of normal beings. I'm like, dude, he plugged up some holes and covered up a camera. <laughs> that does not imply a genius IQ to me. <laughs> That's funny, because I, I basically had the exact same note. I wrote, he fucking froze you, man. That doesn't necessarily require a high IQ. Yeah. The first note I have on this episode is the doctor has learned the value of violence. Weirdly enough, not a whole lot happens in this episode. It's a lot of... It's a lot of, like, trading spaces. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I have three notes on this episode, and two of them are in the very beginning. (laughs) Well, I have... I kind of wish that Sam had stayed as a companion, because um, I really like her. Um, Mm -hmm. And because she basically keeps busting Jamie's balls about how he just does whatever the doctor tells him to do. Because he needs to stay and watch the Chameleon Tour's kiosk. And Sam says she's going to go off and investigate. And he says, no, you can't go. It's too dangerous. And she's like, all right, then come with me. He's like, I can't. I have to stay here and watch the chameleon tours. And she, and she says, all right, I'll just go off by myself. I mean, they can only murder me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam is great. She's very, she's also kind of a wild card. She flirts with Jamie at first, and then she basically bullies him into doing what she wants the rest of the time. Yeah, I know. I'm into her. I like her. (laughs) Yeah, I dig it. So, uh, the grand conspiracy is, so, Samantha's brother went missing uh, on a chameleon tours flight, but she got a postcard from Rome, and then she sees the flight attendant, like, handing out these, like, pre-signed postcards to all the passengers, and she's like... That's how they, that's how I got the postcard without him arriving in Rome. Mm-hmm. So you learn that you learn that Chameleon Tours is like mass kidnapping people. Yeah. Which again, it, once you find out how many people it's been, has gone on way too fucking long not to be noticed. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> way too fucking but long. Caleb, to be what are you talking about? Every single one of them sent a postcard. I don't know <laughs> what the problem is. 
Oh, okay. I'm. We just got to talk about it. So they're kidnapping them and taking them somewhere that I'm not going to give away just yet. And later on, they find out that it is 50,000 people. <laughs> 50,000 fucking passengers have never arrived to that destination. And it's not just like a person here or a person there. Whole planefuls of people do not arrive at their destinations. And no one asks anything until the doctor arrives. <laughs> because like the secretary the foxy one who saves the day uh basically calls rome and she's like yeah chameleon tours have you guys like ever had a passenger from them and they're like no every time they come here the plane's empty <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> after one after one plane of people disappeared everyone should have been asking questions well from england's perspective they're like okay well they they have left our airport they are no longer our problem and then from Rome's perspective, they're like, oh, well, okay, they landed with no people. I guess they didn't have anyone coming on today. But, like, I do agree. It is very stupid. Like, Rome should have been like, hey, how come you guys never have any passengers? Yeah, no, it makes no sense. And why is Samantha and presumably the person who hired the detective that got killed, why are those the only people asking where the fuck their family members are? No kidding. Now, at first I had the theory that... Maybe they don't do that with every single flight. Like, maybe they have enough flights where people actually do reach their destination to kind of dissuade that sort of suspicion. But I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure they say that it, that they do it with every flight. Yep, they do it with every flight. And Because, uh, I mean, like, again, if it, if it were just like, yeah, we can have a person here, a person there, I'm like, that's fine. Uh, uh, lots of human trafficking happens at airports, actually. Uh, like... I, I can accept that logic, but like when it became planefuls of people just disappear from the same company and no one asks anything. They also make the note. I, I actually made this note a little bit earlier, um, but I didn't bring it up. They they mention how they only have people stationed at this airport. They don't have them stationed anywhere else. I was like, dude, you should have at least one person on like whatever airports you are going to so that you can be like have someone check the box of yes everyone arrived mm -hmm. i really would just want to like pull the, the chameleons aside and be like okay 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 we got a solid skeleton here we got a solid plan i like where your head's at i have a couple of notes for you we just need to implement these notes and then you should be able to get away with it <laughs> yep Exactly. And, like, I'm not sure how big the... What's the fucking city they're in? Starts with a G. Was it not London? No, uh, it's it starts with a G. Gatwick. Gatwick. Wait, what was it? Gatwick. Gatwick? Yeah. G-A-T-W-I-C-K. Don't know anything about the Gatwick airport. I just get the vibe it's not the biggest airport, though. It does seem rather small. So, like, why aren't they at, like, a really big international airport? Right. Um, the United States has a lot of people. I'm not saying America's great, but we got big airports. We do. And, like, I know that England has a couple of big airports. But 50,000 people, that's half the fucking island outside of London. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me you cannot half the fucking island of England and no one noticed? Also, you want to be British? <laughs> I'm American. We're not much better. But you want to be British? I would almost say you should have set up this operation in America. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about the American people. If they all disappeared, they would have been like, no, well, uh, well okay. That's, that's <laughs> life, I guess. 
also we're we're Americans, like we're dumb. And honestly, if this whole story had taken place in America, and they're like, "Yeah, we can have planefuls of people, and no one's asked anything," I'd be like, "Yeah, it's America. That that yeah, adds up. That, that checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> See, British people, I can make fun of Americans too. Oh, we do it constantly. We've got so much material to work with. <laughs> I know bangers every day. I do like how the doctor uses like the freezing device to like prove his point. I'm like, shit is going down around your airport. Allow me to demonstrate with this device. And then he has Meadows hold up a, a teacup and then he uses the thing and Meadows drops it and then runs away. And the tea inside was like frozen solid. I like that the doctor is actually using like evidence to support his claim as opposed to, oh, I don't know, going up to the leader and saying, hey, has Captain Blade ever looked at you with like this? These crazy <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, like he, he does use more evidence. I still feel like even for him, he's left to the most extreme conclusion. Yeah, he plays the aliens card way too quickly. Yeah, he, he's like, this is a, this is extraterrestrial life from not from this planet. I was like, doctor, there is no fucking way you know that. And there's absolutely no fucking way you can prove it. <laughs> yeah. If I saw like this like ray gun and this weird pen that can freeze stuff, I'd be like, yeah, that's spy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll, we'll get into the James Bond bullshit later. But yeah, that's spy shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember specifically when this is, but I make the note of the commandant is very dismissive of the idea of human trafficking. And again, oh, how times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they talk about how so many people have gone missing. And he's like, preposterous. No, they haven't. That's it? That's all you got? Okay. We live in a civilized society. Nothing like that would happen here. That was the end of my notes. Yeah, like I said, this this episode of all of them kind of drags. Yeah. So I'm ready for episode four, which gets <laughs> real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to dive right into it. Jamie and Sam try to help the doctor, but they are knocked out by Spencer. He then hooks up what can, what can only be described as a James Bond slow-moving laser to eliminate them. <laughs> the three awaken to see the laser moving, but they are totally paralyzed. Jamie and Sam can loosely move their arms, and they are able to position a hand mirror to reflect the laser back at itself and destroy the weapon. <laughs> they instantly regain movement and go to the medical bay to find out what is happening. They are brushed off by Nurse Pinto and forced to come up with a different plan. While talking with the Commandant, the Secretary Jean confirms that no passengers ever arrive from Chameleon Tour flights. The Commandant orders their plane to be followed by a RAF fighter jet. Jamie meets Sam at the Chameleon Tour's desk, where he discovers she has bought a ticket to one of the flights to find her brother. He sneaks a kiss and uses it to grab the ticket out of her bag. The doctor convinces Jean to fake an illness, allowing him to sneak into the medical bay and investigate. He discovers the Wii remotes. <laughs> The raft plane mysteriously crashes, and they believe the chameleon flight does too. However, it is actually ascending above the clouds, where a massive alien mothership is waiting. Yeah. So, let's talk about this Bond-level idiocy. So, they're all, they're all <laughs> paralyzed, and then a slow-moving a slow laser beam is slowly making their way towards it. And my note is... What are you, a Bond villain? Just line them up and shoot them in the head. <laughs> what the I why, why am I rooting for the villains? Like, I know as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, okay, that's a bomb. And then the laser comes out. And I was like, 
no, that's not it, is it? Just kill them. Just kill them. And maybe I, maybe it's the way it's animated. I don't know. But at least from what I can tell, it's the laser is not moving from side to side. It is just going straight forward. This will kill one of them at most. Yeah, because like it hits a rock and the rock blows up, which I don't understand why the ground doesn't blow up entirely. Because shut up. So, but yeah, but exactly. It's not going to move across all three of them. It's going to hit presumably Sam and that's it. Yeah, it'll kill Sam. And then Jamie and Doctor will be like, ah, that sucked. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Blade has been bullying Spencer for being incompetent the whole time. And this is when that bullying is really true. Yeah. Uh, and you realize that Spencer actually just fucking is incompetent. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot do this. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? What, why is there a Bond laser in this episode? <laughs> Again, like the chameleon's plan, it's got a good skeleton. It's a good first draft. But I do have some notes. For instance, the med lab, the, the clinic in the airport is a front for the chameleons that seems like a bad idea like oh i don't know say for example someone coming in sick because that's what they try to do they're like oh my friend is sick we need to go in there and she's like no you can't go in there why not because you can't yeah not suspicious at all (laughs) like what what kind of cover is that yeah and then i say jamie being smooth as butter with his with his sleight of hand. <laughs> I know. I know. So smooth, Jamie. I was not expecting that from him. Right? It was quick thinking on Jamie's part. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, let's see. Here are all my notes in order. Oh my god, the fucking faces. Okay, well, Samantha's a badass. I see a new companion. What is this James Bond looking ass murder laser? Just killed him. Uh, Samantha's awesome. She has to become a companion. I'm getting a sneaking suspicion that Ben and Polly won't be with us <laughs> after this episode. And then... Oh my god, my notes are so fucking useless this episode because my next note is I need more of this foxy air traffic secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Was I even watching this episode? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure if I said this out loud or not, but Bob and I had a bet going to see how far into this story you would get before you realized that uh, Ben and Polly weren't coming back. And we guessed (laughs) probably around the end of episode four. (laughs) <laughs> so he would start to get suspicious. Yeah, well, you were right, more or less. <laughs> My next note is, okay, I was worried I would get the inspector and the commandant mixed up, and I definitely did for at least half this episode. Yeah. Because I thought literally the whole fucking time from the end of episode three to about the time we saw the commandant again, that he was the person on the airplane that got abducted by the chameleons. No, no. To defend myself, in the animation, they look exactly the same. Their mustaches are just different sizes. Their mustaches are slightly different sizes. The most distinguishing fact I can find is that the detective always has a pipe on him. Oh, yes, of course. The corncob pipe. <laughs> or it's not a corncob. Yeah, he just has like a Sherlock Holmesy pipe and just like just kind of plays with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, a de- like, like detectives do. Like a quirky detective, yes. Hello, Crossland. You're our new detective. Here's your gun. Here's your badge, and here's your pipe. What do I need this for? You'll need it. Trust us. Why are you giving me a pipe? Because the slinky was taken. Now go! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I when I saw Crossland in like episode two, I was like, oh, I'm going to get these motherfuckers confused. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Regardless of how you feel about the chameleons, I think we can all agree is that 
the villain here is airport bureaucracy. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. My next note is, how long does it really take for airports to notice entire flights of young people going missing? Why is Samantha the only person looking for their loved one? Because of airport bureaucracy. <laughs> because of airport bureaucracy. Uh, and its inability to actually solve real problems. And then my next note is, what are these? Some sort of Wii remote? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't supposed to come out for decades. The secretary pretends to be sick in order to get the nurse to come out of the in order to come out of the clinic. And she's like feeling faint and like, oh, I, I don't feel very well. And then the commandant starts talking about her as if she's like a malfunctioning car. Cause he's like, oh, this is odd. She's never acted up like this before. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Good job on Gene. I'm sure I'm fucking up your name, but that's how it's spelled. <laughs> you're great you're lovely you should also be a companion <laughs> gene and sam come on let's go come on you're both great the doctor sneaks into the medical bay discovers the <laughs> discovers the wiimotes and he also notices these lovers under the table and flicks one and a fucking door opens with the nurse's real corpse in there. yeah <laughs> and, and so it swooshes open and he just flicks it and swooshes it closed and then he turns around and looks at it <laughs> My last note is Jamie is such a fucking champion because this is a man who doesn't know what a bicycle is and he just got onto an airplane <laughs> and like he is just like sitting in his chair just like white knuckling it. <laughs> I know even in the animation you just tell he's actively nervous sitting there. <laughs> and, then, and then at one point they like start to take off and he's like Nope, and runs to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the last note I have, uh, I'll explain the context. So they've got this like fighter pilot following the plane as it leaves, and Blade does something to destroy it. Um, and they think the chameleon plane is crashed too because the little blip on the radar isn't moving, but it's actually flying straight up mm -hmm. to this massive mothership just above Earth's atmosphere that no scientist anywhere has ever fucking noticed. Maybe the chameleons... I mean, the chameleons are clearly good at, like, hiding in plain sight. Maybe they have some sort of cloaking technology that... I get... But, but they don't ever say that. So, in my mind, it's not real. So... Also, this is 1967. We have not even landed on the moon yet. But we can see the moon. Yeah. <laughs> we got... But we got telescopes. The moon is and, like, huge and reflects light. The fucking a plane flies into this mothership. The mothership is huge. In the next episode, they refer to it as a satellite. I'm like, that's not a fucking satellite. You can't land airplanes inside of satellites. Yeah, that's all I got for that. Episode. But yeah, but that was it. That was where my, my, I thought I was like, that ship's really big. Why does no one know it's there? <laughs> I would have even accept it if someone just said, they're like, ah, the humans can't see through our cloaking technology. But there's no such line. They don't explain it at all. It's a big fucking ship. I don't know. I think it's just implied that because they're constantly talking down to humanity and saying how stupid and, and uh, primitive they are. I feel like they probably have some sort of way of keeping themselves from getting discovered. Well, Mac, here's the problem. I am as stupid and primitive as they think I am. And I need it explained to me. <laughs> I mean, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, that's all I have. So on to the next episode. Jamie manages to avoid the fate of the other passengers because he's real sick. 
He sneaks out of the plane and explores the alien ship. He finds a drawer full of teeny tiny people before being captured by the faceless ones, who are the chameleons. Back at air traffic control, the doctor confronts the fake Meadows and discovers one of the same devices on his arm. After subduing him, the fake Meadows admits that they have kidnapped 50,000 people and taken them to a satellite just above Earth's atmosphere. Meadows is part of an alien race whose home planet experienced a catastrophe that ruined the species, air quotes, individual identities. Nurse Pinto is the only one who knows how to do the body swapping, and the doctor heads to the medical bay to confront her. The doctor comes in just in time to stop Samantha from being switched, and Pinto melts away when her armband is removed from the original. Jamie is interrogated by a man who looks like Crossland, but reveals himself as the director. The doctor decides to play along as one of the fakes to board the chameleon flight and go to the mothership. They decide to use the originals as bargaining chips should they be discovered. He tasks the Commandant with finding the bodies while he tries to save his friends. Blade sees through the Doctor's ruse and has him taken to the Director. So, again, I have some notes for the Chameleon's plan. My first one is, did these motherfuckers seriously not have a contingency plan for if someone was in the goddamn bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) Of all the 50,000 people we've kidnapped... Jamie, you're the only one who went through the bathroom. <laughs> Apparently. I think they said something like, he didn't eat something on the flight, and that's what stopped him from be- being miniaturized. But also, was he not on the flight for that long? I felt like I felt like they went straight from the runway up to the mothership. Were they on the plane even long enough to eat? I have a note about that later, because it is like, if they eat the food or drink that is provided on the plane, that's what causes the miniaturization. And then I'm like, that makes even less sense, because it's always very short flights. I mean, Europe is not very big. Like, the flights can't possibly take more than just a couple of hours. I'm sure there's plenty of people who either eat before or wait to eat after they land. No possible way can you guarantee that every single person on that plane is eating and drinking the food you're providing. The only, like, remote rationalization I can think is, um... If I know my airport history correctly, is uh being on a plane used to be a lot more of like an upscale experience. You went on planes and they served you food. That was part of it. Okay. And that's scaled down as like it turns out that feeding dozens of people on a flight is really fucking expensive. <laughs> so if I if I correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but if I remember correctly, sixties and seventies airplane experiences were a little bit more cultured they were they were less they were less commercial yeah i mean like there were still commercial things but like part of that experience was eating food on the plane okay gotcha which is why the movie airplane it, it makes no sense in a modern context because why the fuck who the fuck eats fish on a plane <laughs> the only thing i've ever eaten on a plane ever is a cookie <laughs> yeah i was just eating those tiny little bags of like checks mix or like the, the little trail mix now, every, every single plane I've gotten on, it's always been the biscotti cookies. Is that how you sell that? Biscotti. Biscotti. The biscotti cookies, or, yeah, just like tiny little not Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's the only rationale I can have. But even then, there's got to be people who don't eat. Yeah. Like, there's got to be people who are like, I'm just not hungry. I'm not, yeah, not going like, to eat anything. Nah, I'm good. And it's doubly confusing because it's very much fucking implied that it's like a gas in like two episodes ago. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be a gas? Why can't you just breathe it in and shrink? What I thought it was, 
because it was kept very vague early on. So what I thought it was, was it was the seats. Like they were sitting in the seats and then there was like a flash and then everyone who was sitting on on these like miniaturization pads or whatever it is, like shrank down in their seats. That's what I thought it was. And that's how I was like, okay, so Jamie getting up to go to the bathroom was how he was able to dodge that. That's how it made sense in my head. And then they were like, no, it's the food. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean it's the food? <laughs> you got to say to M for mini. <laughs> the first note I really have is at air traffic control, the doctor is, again, trying to convince them of everything. And he wants Meadows to lift up his jacket sleeve to see if he's got one of the Wiimotes mm-hmm. attached to his wrist. And Meadows just tries to fucking book it. And Gene, like, rolls out this chair and basically knocks him out with it. So my first note is, damn it, chairs. The chameleon's one weakness. <laughs> it's it's very silly. Yeah, on that note, man, Meadows is just so willing to sell out his people. Oh, I like, know. It... Fucking narc. <laughs> <laughs> the moment it's inconvenient, the whole plot unravels. This dude's going to get so many stitches, if you know what I mean. Because... <laughs> because the moment he's confronted he's like yeah all right time to tell you our our entire plan (laughs) (laughs) they're like who are you what are you doing it all began thirty thousand years ago (laughs) yeah uh and then like anytime he's like i can't tell you that i don't know i'm like i believe him i believe him (laughs) when he says he doesn't know because he's been telling us everything else oh yeah it was kind of funny. I have a note that says, Doctor, why are you just ignoring people? And I don't know why I wrote that. Who did the doctor ignore and why? Um, I'm not sure. He must have ignored someone. And it must have annoyed me because I wrote it down. There was a part where Sam shouts out, Flippin' heck. I think she was like trying to go through some of the documents. She said, Flippin' heck. And I was like, that's the G version of Fucking hell <laughs> that you <laughs> that you know they wanted her to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought of a really stupid joke watching this show. So Jamie is on the ship and he's been like subdued by the chameleons. And this guy who looks like Crossland comes in and is kind of like cross-examining him, sort of kind of. Mm-hmm. And then he reveals himself, he's like, I'm not Crossland, I'm the director. <laughs> And my my instinct, I, was like, I wanted Jamie to say it so badly. I wanted him to go, director? Director who? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. On that note, though, it's a good thing that Jamie's been on a, sta- on a space station before. Because otherwise, he'd be really freaking out right now. <laughs> because he just went from an airplane... <laughs> To a space station. And I feel like between the two, the space station is more familiar to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He did go right from, like, fucking 15th century Scotland to the moon. (laughs) He went from Scotland to Atlantis to the moon. Oh, that's right. (laughs) So, yeah, so, I mean, he's on a spaceship. He's like, oh, finally, something normal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Throughout this entire story, repeatedly... The commandant has um, call, has been like, get me Sur- Superintendent Reynolds because he needs to talk to the cops. Just like repeatedly, he just like picks up the phone and says, get me Superintendent Reynolds. And I just make the note of Superintendent Reynolds has got to be so fucking annoyed by this point with how many times he's been called by this man over the course of one day. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just a single day. How many times has he called before and after this? Superintendent Reynolds, why don't you ever call me? 
feels like I'm doing most of the work in this relationship and we're just not as close as we used to be. I literally was just about to say the <laughs> commandant and the superintendent had like a very intense passionate affair <laughs> and then the superintendent dropped it and then the commandant has just not let it go. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same play. <laughs> place. <laughs> I only have one more note for this episode and it has nothing to do with anything. I wrote down, I desperately want the faceless one who takes Jamie to just be genuinely confused about everything about his people. (laughs) (laughs) My last note is, I do like that the Commandant was able to be convinced about everything. And like the faceless ones and the, the, the kidnapping and the alien spaceships and stuff. I'm glad he was able to be convinced about that. That he wasn't just like, totally 100% stubbornly bullheaded mm-hmm. that with given enough evidence, he actually did like agree with the doctor. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause it would have been really frustrating if like, even after they're done interrogating this uh, d- done interrogating Meadows, he's still just like, Oh, preposterous. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice to see him kind of come around to it. Um, at a certain point he kind of fucking has to, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a Wiimote on this guy's arm. Yeah. I mean, how do you explain the Wiimote? You can't. It's only aliens. <laughs> I mean, Shigeru Miyamoto was an alien. We've known this for years. <laughs> uh, I've got no other notes for this episode. Yep, same. Frankly, I don't have that many notes for the next episode. Four of them are about the fucking thing that makes me mad about it. <laughs> After arguing with the director and Blade, the doctor reveals that he knows where the original bodies are, and he will use them to destroy Blade and the others if he isn't protected. Blade contacts Earth to confirm this, but the Commandant hasn't found the bodies yet and dodges the question. The Faceless Ones proceed to try and switch the Doctor with one of their own, but they receive a new message from Earth saying they have found the bodies in the abandoned cars at the car park. The Commandant melts one of them as a demonstration. The Doctor tries to negotiate the release of his friends and the other missing passengers, promising that the Faceless Ones can leave after they are safely delivered. The director refuses, but Blade kills him and agrees to the doctor's terms. The doctor promises to give their scientists a few ideas to fix their problems. Everyone is safely delivered, and Jamie gives Sam an awkward goodbye. For now. Which I know is, like, permanently for now. Sorry. Ben and Polly, now safely back with the doctor, realize they have arrived on Earth the same day they left, and resign to stay. The doctor and Jamie can't leave just yet, though, because it seems someone has stolen the TARDIS. They're looking for the bodies. And my first note is, we're going to need a whole montage if we're going to search this whole airport. (laughs) Because it's just a montage with music playing of just the cops going around the airport, just trying to find the bodies. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys a spoiler. This story is really good, but this episode is really disappointing. Yeah, a little bit. It's a very quick wrap up. Like, there's a character arc that's basically a character arc that is not really fucking implied at all. And yeah, and the chameleon's master plan for hiding the bodies is fucking stupid. Yes, it is. Again, I have notes. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good first draft of a plan. I'm not gonna lie. It really is. Need some rewrites. (laughs) Namely, don't put the corpses in their fucking cars where literally anyone can see them. Yeah. No fucking shit. <laughs> oh my god. How did it go on for this long? Because my, my first instinct was, hey, how? 
How did they kidnap 50,000 people? Are there 50,000 cars in the parking lot? No, no, no. It wasn't the 50,000. It wasn't the 50,000. It was the 15 people oh. that they were imitating. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, then forget that. It's still dumb. It is still dumb. <laughs> like, hey, hey, check the character's car. Are they in there? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> personally, again, here's here's my notes, chameleons. Uh, I would have loaded the body up and then just driven outside of the airport and, like, thrown them in a ditch somewhere <laughs> bury yeah. them alive or something i don't know well uh, okay so here's the thing too just put them in boxes yeah just put, just them, put in them in boxes just put them, put them on a plane not even on your plane just any plane going anywhere who fucking cares yeah <laughs> it, it was a relentlessly dumb plot twist yeah and the whole drama of this episode is centered around it it's centered around finding these bodies so they have like a bargaining chip to get everyone back mm-hmm. and we spend half the episode doing it and they're in the fucking back seat of their cars. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't check there because we figured that that place would have been really, really stupid to put the bodies. So we decided to check all the places where it would make sense to hide bodies. I guess we should have picked the stupid place first. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was very, very frustrating. Up on the spaceship, the doctor is trying to pit Blade and like the other chameleons against the director. Mm-hmm. And pretty much does it. It pretty much proves that, like, you guys are disposable and he isn't, at least in his mind. Yeah, because his his logic is, well, the director and this navigator who's imitating Jamie, their bodies are up here. Where are your bodies? Really? Down there where they can be discovered and destroyed and thus you can be killed? Funny that. Anyway. I'm sure that won't come up, though. Yeah. I, I like that. I think I would have liked to see a bit more of the director and him seeing the other chameleons as disposable. Yeah. Because, like, Blade Blade just turns, like, immediately. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have seen the doctor, like, starting to plant these seeds of dissent, maybe, like, an episode earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. Because, like, as soon as, as soon as the doctor's like, maybe the director isn't looking out for your best interest, Blade is like, yeah, maybe he isn't. Literally murders him. Yeah. And then uh, the airport radios up to the the space station and says uh, that they'll only speak to the doctor. They're like, the next person that talks to us better be the doctor or someone's going to die. And then the doctor does start talking to him. And I'm like, it could still be a chameleon, guys. You have no way of knowing that this is definitely the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that too. Which actually... I know you should never judge something based on what it's not or what it could have been. But if your main enemy is someone who can imitate anyone perfectly and infiltrate that group, that organization, you kind of expect there to be a twist of like at some point they should have imitated Jamie and then had Jamie traveling around with the doctor then had that chameleon traveling around with the doctor. Like there should have been some sort of like distrust. Like you don't know who's a chameleon and who's not kind of thing. Uh, but then mm. they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because it's anyone who's a chameleon has a Wiimote strapped to their wrist. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> They also give up too easily. I think because the doctor's negotiation is how about you give us everything and you guys can fuck off and die. Yeah. Then you can just leave. <laughs> And then they're like, okay, <laughs> that sounds great. We're literally about done. We literally have no fucking reason to do that. But sure. Yeah. 
The implication is that, like, give us the 50,000 or else we'll kill all of you. But yeah, but 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 even then, like, I don't know. It's like, you know, we're 10 or 15 people compared to like our entire fucking civilization. I I like the idea of like using like their personal motives against them. But it, it's too easy. It's too easy of a give up for actually literally nothing. Yeah. The best they can do, the doctor's like, I'll give your scientists some ideas on how to make your guys' faces all not fucked up. Yeah. But that, but that's it. That's all I got. Even if the doctor just said, I know how to fix you. I will help fix you. And then that's implied off screen. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the doctor literally gives them nothing. Yeah. I do, have, I do have one question. Are they going to be returning everyone to their normal size before... Or after they they land on Earth, because it's, if it's before, it's gonna take multiple trips. They're gonna turn all fifty thousand back to normal size, and then they're gonna have to use that what appears to be the one airplane they have to just go back and <laughs> forth <laughs> to drop everyone off. And if it's after, do they have the technology down on Earth to return them back to their normal size? <laughs> it's like so we found your missing son sort of how do you feel about action figures <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it's i think it's that one airplane and i think they're growing them back as they're bringing him down because blade says something about like because the doctor asked them do you have a way to reverse it and crossland says no and the blade's mm. like that's not true you can actually regrow them to the same size on the plane so what okay. it sounded like to me was they'll load them up on the plane, they'll put these teeny tiny little people in their seats, and they'll fly down and make them grow real big. Yeah, which... Um, which will take four fucking ever, because there are 50,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know how many trips it took. <laughs> I will watch all the trips if I have to. I want that to be the rest of the episode. There is math missing, and I need the numbers to match before this story ends. <laughs> My next note is I'm kind of disappointed that, pointed that Sam isn't staying because I liked her relationship with uh, Jamie and I thought she she mm-hmm. was cool. It would also be interesting to see like a romantic relationship between the companions. Mm-hmm. I mean, stay tuned. But <laughs> stay t- I figured. I figured it would happen at some point. So this is the order of my notes. Sitting in their cars is literally the worst fucking place to hide anybody I would think. Literally anyone could find them at any time. And then my very next note, I want you to guess what this is about, is I knew it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> my next note is they let ben and polly leave on an episode they were barely in my third note is ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah my fifth note is god fucking damn it way to ruin a good episode on a fucking sour note yeah i kind of liked the scene itself because they were just like all right let's go and they're like wait hold up what day is it because, like, someone just mentions that fact that it's 1960, 1966, and Ben is like, hold up, we're in 1966 right now? They're like, yeah. I'm like, what day? It's like, April, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's the day we left. And so Ben is just like, well, obviously I'm taking this. And But mm-hmm. Polly still has, like, a moment of, like, I don't... Uh, I don't know what <laughs> she's like. We're not going to get this chance again. So I guess I'll say goodbye. I feel like, I feel like if the doctor had more control over the TARDIS, Polly would have stayed. Yeah, I can definitely see that. 
absolutely hate the context of it. I do think the scene is good. And it's 100% in character with Ben. Yes. Ben's like, wait, back the fuck up. Remind me, we're in Britain? Mm -hmm. 1966? July 20th? My boat's still in the bay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, ben, ben, ben has the... Ben might end up being my favorite companion of this era. <laughs> Just in the sense of... He is so fucking consistent about leaving he, the whole time. His characterization is very consistent. That is one thing <laughs> I will say in Ben's favor. Um, he's like, whoa, no, no. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm not fucking going anywhere else and getting killed and getting frozen and getting brainwashed. I'm not doing any of that shit anymore. Yeah. Joins the Navy. Yvonne <laughs> <laughs> et Niage, motherfucker. <laughs> because the, the departure is is like sad that they're leaving, but I do really appreciate just how in character how much it makes sense this departure mm-hmm. does. No, totally agree. I just wish they were in the fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, no, that's same. Same. But I suppose that's it. Yep. Uh, Salutations, Ben and Polly. I actually hardly knew you because I barely saw you. (laughs) But uh, some trivia. So the writers were named David Ellis and Malcolm Hulk. They both submitted storylines to Doctor Who in the past, but they were all rejected. But they uh, remained on good terms with the editor, Jerry Davis. And he eventually met with them both and asked them to write a story set in a department store. So they came up with the idea of shape-shifting aliens in this setting, and Davis really liked their idea, but then changed his mind by like, nah, department stores are passe, put it in an airport. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll put it in an airport now. (laughs) In the original script, Chameleon Tours was going to be called Pied Piper Tours, which I guess was a little bit too on the nose. Let's change it to something subtle, like Chameleon. I think Pied Piper Tours sounds way cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Michael Craze says he would have preferred if Ben got killed off. Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines were both very unhappy about the departure because um, the four of them had become very close friends on set. And uh, Troughton credited them with helping him find his feet as a doctor. Yeah, but on that note... It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Goodbye My Dear. Do you want to do Ben yes. or Polly first? Let's do Ben first. Okay. You, you go first. I know Ben Ben was a, a, a bigger deal for you, so. Yeah, I liked Ben. He's seen, oddly enough, he was the most sensible. <laughs> of everyone we have fucking encountered in this show, he was, he had the sense to know when it just wasn't his fucking problem, man. <laughs> and it, Almost, almost every time, short of brainwashing, anytime they were like, well, we have to figure this out. It was always Ben who was like, no, we don't. We actually don't have to do that. We don't have to do anything but leave. And I I really like that. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sure no one else does, but man, I really appreciate the pure sensibility of it. It's the only thing he's like really sensible about because he's also really dumb. Because the first half of the time he's with the doctor, every episode begins with, well, I got to get back to my Navy boat. (laughs) And then he finds out that we're not going back to the Navy boat. So I really just like to leave in general. (laughs) And yeah, I thought it was great. My, despite all of that, though, my favorite moment of Ben, though, is in 
the war machines. Okay. He's trying to escape the warehouse, and Polly actively stops him. <laughs> ben is captured, and then he goes back and says, Polly, get out while you still can! <laughs> I think it so perfectly encaptures Ben as a character and everything he will ever do in the nine or so episodes he's with us. I 100% agree, because I would say that my favorite aspect of Ben is um, just his loyalty to Polly in general, because regardless of what was going on in any given story, how much danger they were in, his first priority at all times was to make sure that Polly was safe. Mm -hmm. His second priority, of course, was getting the fuck out of here, which I know I know you really appreciated, but I kind of preferred Ian's approach, which was, well, we don't really have control over where we're going next, so we may as well enjoy the ride while we're on it. That being said, I do like Ben more than Ian, if for no other reason than Ben's character was much more clearly defined <laughs> and consistent. <laughs> That's true. And I was trying to rack my brains, trying to come up with what my favorite Ben moment was. And I feel bad with how hard it was for me to come up with something. But then I remembered Ben's super, super solid intro where he comes to Polly's aid in the bar because she's being accosted by some creep. And then he just gets into a bar fight. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was a great moment too so that's that's my best ben moment <laughs> i uh i'm looking forward to the upgraded version of ben where we get the companion who just actively refuses to leave the tardis until they until they're in the right spot okay i don't want to go into spoilers there is one companion that never leaves the tardis <laughs> <laughs> i i want that companion who's like doctor this is not 1995 london <laughs> I would like to be in 1995 London. He's like, oh, of course, my dear. Let me get you there. Boop, boop. Oh, we're actually on the planet Zabordoror. Let's go check it out. No, doctor. Hit that <laughs> dial again. I want to be in 1995 London. <laughs> I want that character. Because that would be me as a companion. Uh, uh, they're like, well, we're on this strange new world. And it looks like there's a civil war. And that's not my fucking problem, doctor. <laughs> 1995 London. <laughs> that is my problem. <laughs> How about uh, good old Polly? Oh, Polly. Oh, Polly. I don't want to say it's her looks. Because it's not. She, she because is, it's not. She's a genuinely good character. But she is also very inconsistent. She is not in any way, shape, or form as consistent as Ben is. Yeah, Polly is a really great character, and you see that coming through. And then you have just like... Let's be perfectly honest here. Chauvinist writers who have absolutely no idea what to do with a confident female character. So they mm -hmm. either put her on the sidelines or have her be the damsel in distress. Mm -hmm. When that's clearly not what she is. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of like my real favorite moment with her. Um, I, I would just say vaguely the War Machines. Probably like the first two episodes of the War Machines where she's not brainwashed. No, I like, I'll take it back. My favorite moment with her is when her and Ben are kind of like working and she's brainwashed and she fights it enough to let Ben get away. Yep. You picked the exact same moment I did because that is my favorite Polly moment too. Yeah, because like early on in the show and like really throughout the arc, like she has a strong will and like she wants to, she wants to fight back constantly. <laughs> and I think you see that in that moment specifically yeah so. i i like polly because if if i were to cat if i were to characterize polly 
it would be that she's witty and she's feisty and she's willing to see the good in people. Because there are multiple times when, during the episodes where she tries to see the best in people either, whether they are actually the villain or whether they are suspected to be the villain. Like, in the Tenth Planet, as maybe a little bit naive as it was, she was trying to appeal to the Cybermen's better nature that doesn't exist. In The Power of the Daleks, the assistant director, or whatever his name was, was thrown in jail, and Polly's like, I don't think that w- I don't think he would do that. I can just tell. That's what I really liked about Polly, and she she was very more optimistic about their travels and really enjoyed going on the travels. She had she had more my perspective of what <laughs> traveling with the TARDIS would be. <laughs> but the main can't comprehend it. Yeah, but the main downside is obviously just writers didn't know what to do with her, um, and that's that is the reason why she is ranked second. Sorry, yeah, she is currently ranked second in companions right behind Vicky. The only reason that Vicky is higher than Polly is because Vicky was consistently badass. Mm -hmm. I struggle to think of more than one or two occasions in which Vicky was a victim. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. So, yeah. Ben actually might be my favorite companion overall. I buy that. Really thinking about it. Well, that's all I've got on it. Yeah, so final, final thoughts for Faceless Ones. Final thoughts are, this is mostly a pretty good episode. Some of the pacing and some of the middle episodes is not great. The sixth episode is kind of a letdown, but overall, it's very interesting. I think the characters are portrayed really well. Ben and Polly, unfortunately, are fucking iced the moment the story gets going. I actually think I... uh, No, I don't. I was going to say I like it more than I like Power of the Dogs, but that's not true. (laughs) But it's close. For me, I also really like the story for the most part. I think it missed a couple of opportunities. I feel like they could have done a you don't know who you can trust kind of situation. Uh, they actually almost did that when I, now that I'm thinking about it. They almost did that for like a second when they capture Sam and the nurse is about to do um, the procedure on her. But then the doctor instantly comes in and rescues her. So like we almost had it. <laughs> yep. There was a lot of back and forth of characters just kind of running around. I feel like the episode it probably could have been a, a four a four or five parter instead of a six parter. Mm-hmm. And I know it feels like I'm doing nothing but complaining, but I actually did really like watching this. The departure for Ben and Polly, I obviously kind of wished for more of them having a presence throughout the episode, but the scene was the scene itself was bittersweet of the two of them finally getting to go home. And at least they didn't fucking pull a dodo. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, that was a departure. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree. I think if I were going to change the plot a little bit, I would have preferred the director being introduced maybe an episode sooner. Mm-hmm. So we had more time to kind of grow the mistrust between him and Blade and how the fucking chameleon operation was running. There were some, again, like flagrantly silly plot points, but I mean... When is there not one? Yeah. At, at least they weren't shouting over intercoms. There's no such thing as chameleons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I would actually say, now I mean, this is definitely one of those episodes where someone was like, I want to watch old who. I'd be like, don't watch classic Doctor Who, but watch this episode. Yeah. Because this is good. Yeah. And then people complain to me about it. And I'm like, well, that's as good as it gets. In terms of my ranking, I currently have the faceless ones as uh, third. I think I would put it second. I think I liked it more than the Mockwood Terror. Okay. I like how much shorter the Mockwood Terror is, <laughs> but I think this is a better episode. Yeah. 
Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast streaming things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. You can also follow Mac and Caleb there. You can follow Mac at MacTheMeh and me at CLB underscore Clark. Also, be sure to check out Mac's YouTube channel, also called MacTheMeh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on A Quick Trip Through Space and Time, in which we watch what was originally intended to be the last episode to ever feature the Daleks in The Evil of the Daleks. (laughs) What was originally intended. (laughs) Yeah, spoiler alert, that doesn't stick. (laughs) (laughs) Mac, I did that in one fucking take. That That was very nice. Well done. Jamie and Susan try to help the doctor, but they are knocked out... Oh, fuck. You called her Susan. <laughs> How did I do that? I mean, fucking.